Amazing Grace. Let's sing this together. for these next uh, two Sundays and Wednesdays. So pray for them. They'll have safe journeys and the uh, uh, general assembly will go well for them and for the church. Just a few announcements. Uh, thank you to everyone who was involved at VBS this last week. It went real well. And I want to thank you to uh, for those that minister to the children in our, in our church and in the community. Uh, this next Sunday, July 31st, is Family Day. Our kids will be joining us in worship on that day, which is next Sunday. So, uh, And Larry, again, will be speaking. Today, of course, is uh, 27th, I'm sorry, 24th, trying to read here and think at the same time, I can't do that, uh, sorry. Brother Larry speaking this uh, Sunday, uh, also next, this coming Wednesday, and then next Sunday. Uh, so continue to pray for him as he brings your word today and this next week. Uh, council elections are coming up August the 14th. If you'd like to be considered for a position in that, please see Pastor Jimmy or Sandra Mickler, who's on the board right now. She's our secretary. Uh, please give your name to her by August the 7th. There are three positions available this year. The two people have already committed, uh, two people have only committed thus far. Amen. Again, let's, have you come to bless the Lord? Before we pray, just have a few, a few prayer requests this morning. Remember Tony Edwards, our former pastor, his uh, four-year-old grandson this past week uh, passed away. It's just such a tragedy in that family. Pray for them. Uh, their funeral is today at the Beach Springs Church in uh, Pelzer. Also, uh, Lisa Finley's mother passed away this week. Pray for her. And, of course, pray for Bonnie Moody, her family. Also for Rose and uh, 
God for Lewis Addison, their family, and also Phyllis Mosley. Remember these requests as we pray together and pray for the service today and for Brother Larry as he brings the word. The Lord, today we thank you, God, for your blessings on us. We thank you for your presence, oh God, for your promises to us. For two are gathered in your name, you would be among us, oh God. And we thank you for that promise, Lord, and we bless you. We praise you, oh God, right now in this place. And Lord, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to have your way. Move as you want, oh God. Help us to be your willing vessels. Lord, do we bring you these needs. Touch Tony Edwards. Touch his family now. You see what they're going through. Lord, be a strength to them right now, a blessing to them, a hope to them, a precious Savior to them right now, I pray. Bless them, Lord. Touch their funerals that are going on today for uh, Lord Sarah Jones, Lisa, her family. Bless them, Lord, I pray. Touch Bonnie. Let's see their family, all they're going through. I pray you bless them, Lord. And Rose and Lewis and their family, bless them. And Phyllis, you see her today. I just pray you bless now in the name of Jesus. Now we lift you and magnify you, O God, for you are our great God and there is none like you. We bless you and praise you, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him praise. Lord, we bless you. We magnify your name, O God, for you are a great God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. Let's sing this together. The splendor of the King, your clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice, he wraps himself.
Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord Jesus. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up, turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground. But when I think about the Lord, oh, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord and how he picked me up and he turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground, oh, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the sister who attends here now, Susan, uh, will be coming up to sing together, worship with them, and then worship with uh, Brother Larry as he brings your word. how to pray but things were so devastated and there was things around me that I did not understand but there was one thing I could do I could plead the blood Hallelujah. 
It's an hour of desperation. A war is raging high. God's children have been tested and tried on every side. But there is one sure weapon when we face the enemy. It's still the blood of Jesus that brings us victory. I plead the blood. I plead the blood that was shed on Calvary, bringing hope for you. still saves today and when we cry for healing the blood is ours to claim the blood is still the answer for every battle of the mind there is no greater power There we go. Got to press the right button. I plead the blood today, don't you? Amen. Knowing it's the blood of Jesus that makes a difference in our life. Well, it sure is good to be in, in Gap Hill. Now, you know, we are, Sharon and I started ministry from here about years ago. Uh, and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to calculate, but it's been a long time. And some of you remember that. Some of you have been around longer than we were. But most of you are, are not and new, and I see a lot of new faces. I met folks this morning from Massachusetts. I met them from different places around the country. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Let's let everybody know we're glad they're in church today. 
Now, I know that your good pastor, Pastor Jimmy, is going to be watching and seeing what we say and what we do, so just relax, Brother Jimmy, it's going to be fine. We're going to have a great day today, aren't we? And we're going to, going to be blessed. And I want, to, but I want to say thank you to Pastor Jimmy for allowing me to be here to share with you. Um, he and I have a lot in common. We spend a lot of time sharing together. And when I was pastoring, I just didn't let anybody come in my pulpit, especially when I wasn't there. Now, when I was there, I could sort of intervene and, you know, move things out of the way. But when I was gone, I couldn't control it. So to allow somebody to speak when I was gone was, was uh, they had to be a special person. And so I feel special today uh, that, because I know Pastor Jimmy, and he's, he, he, is, he, is, he is cognizant of this pulpit and guards the pulpit, and I watch the messages from week to week, and he does a wonderful job. Aren't you glad that you have the Purdue's as your pastor doing a great job leading you in, in, in what you do? And... Um, uh, I, I respect them, and I, I hear and see because I, you know, I have family here uh, from Sharon's side. I even got some Andersons back here from my side. We still claim you, Brother Jimmy. Uh, you love you, Brother Jimmy, and all of you. Glad to see you. But if, if it's the first time you've met me, I hope that we're friends before we leave today, and we'll continue to be there. We'll be here Wednesday night, and I'll be here next Sunday. And I want to share something with you. Wednesday night, unless the Lord changes my mind between now and then, and I, I don't think so, but I'm going to talk to you about receiving spiritual blessings. We're going to do a study from uh, the New Testament, from the book of Mark, where Jesus healed the, the paralytic man, that they let him down through the, the roof. You know the story, but I'm going to bring some applicable points from that that I think will help you to understand how to receive spiritual blessings and spiritual favor from God in your life. And then next Sunday, and here's what I really want to put into your spirit. Next Sunday, I feel led to preach a message on brokenness. When Jesus went back to his hometown there in Nazareth and they handed him the scripture to read, he began to read. He said, find the brokenhearted and heal them up. Find those that are hurting and bring mending to them. And I believe it's the message that Jesus wants the church to hear today. That through the power of Christ, through the power of God's Spirit, those that are broken can be healed. And, and, and I've, I've found over the past few years that I work beside people, I, I have people in my family, I have people that I share with from day to day, and I don't realize what's going on inside. I, I don't realize the brokenness that's there, that all of a sudden it shows itself. And I believe the church can be proactive through the power of the Spirit to help people that, that are dealing with brokenness in their life of different areas. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a, a powerful message, I believe. But if you know someone that's going through a, a difficult time in their life, they're broken, they've experienced tragedy, or they've experienced different things that's caused them to be broken, I would encourage you to invite them to come with you next Sunday. Because I believe God, through the Holy Spirit, is going to bring comfort to those who are broken. I feel it already, don't you? And I, I believe it's going it's to be a great day. But I, I want to uh, get you Bibles and open to the book of, of Joshua in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 20. And then when you get that one, go back to Numbers 35 and turn a couple of pages down while I share something else for just a moment. Uh, I had another message I'd planned to, to preach uh, when, when Pastor Jimmy called months ago and I'd been working on it. But just a few days ago, the Lord dropped this message into my heart, and, and I can't get away from it, so I feel as though it's what the Lord wants me to share. And I like that, because I know God knows more than I know, and He certainly knows who needs to be touched. But I want to give a big uh, hands up this morning to, to Chevy back there, and, and uh, to Brandon and Dylan. Chevy's been working diligently. I usually go to a church, and I've got everything on a zip drive, handed to them, they just bring it over and got a handout for them, but today I didn't have anything, because I went off and forgot my computer, uh, which is a really good thing to do. I brought my iPad, but I forgot my computer, and I usually do all of that there, but Chevy, you're a good man. Give, give, him, a, give him a hand clap. Back. You're, a lot of times those guys behind the scene that make us look good up here don't get the credit, and, and, and by the way, you got a good name. I, uh, I parked this morning out there between a, a Ram and a Ford. Uh, and I, I think I know Chevy has a Chevy, so it's somewhere out there, but they're, they're all good cars. <laughs> I want to talk to you this morning about the
the place of refuge. The place of refuge. And Chevy, I'm going to ask one. Were you able to get that picture? Okay, good. I'm looking wrong. I'm looking back here. Looking here. Well, let me tell you about this picture. This picture is taken in Hawaii. Does that sound good? I mean, I'd like to go to Hawaii. A few years ago, Sharon, Sharon and I had saved for several years, and, and we had a, a, a member at our church in, in Pontiac, Michigan, who uh, the, the kids kept talking about their granddaddy taking them to Hawaii years ago, and that's all they talked about. So I said, I'm going to repeat that. So we saved up and took our kids and family and grandkids to Hawaii. And I, was, I took this picture standing at this place. It was a place in Hawaii, and I don't remember which island it was on. I get all confused. They're all so beautiful when you're there looking. But uh, it's a place that it's called the Place of Refuge. And it was a place that people, you know, the locals could go to and find solace and refuge from all of the difficulties of life they were going through, I guess. But I was standing there. And when I, when I read the sign and I, and I, I was enjoying the, the beauty, something occurred to me that in Scripture, it talks about a place of refuge. And, and I, I'd never preached on it before. I remember reading it when I do my yearly reading through the Bible and stuff, you know, you remember all these things. So I, I went back and began to study, and the Lord gave me this message from Joshua chapter 20 called the place of refuge. So follow with me. Look at verse 1 of chapter 20 of Joshua. If you got your phone or whatever, follow with me. It said, The Lord also spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for yourselves cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses. Now that was back in Numbers 35. I told you to put your finger there. But it's also there in Numbers 35. That the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. Now, I'll explain all of this in a moment. And when he flees to one of those cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand. Would you ask the Lord to touch you today and to touch me today as I preach this message? Would you just point a hand this way and maybe lay one on yourself and ask God to touch you? Father, I thank you today for the opportunity to be here to minister your word and I pray, O oh God, today that I can say something that will encourage somebody and will lead somebody to a place of refuge today. God, I pray that you would touch my mind, that I may think clearly and share that that you have imparted there, and touch the hearts of these, your people, that they may receive, that you will be glorified, and you will be honored, and you will be praised. And that you do and accomplish in each of us and for each of us, we give you praise and glory, for we ask it in Christ's name. And everybody said... Amen. I, I don't know, I want to mention my, my nephew Grant here today, in from Germany, serving our country. Thank you for your service, Grant, and for all that you're doing for our country. Now, Numbers 35 in Joshua chapter 20 record information about the cities of refuge. During the days of Moses and Joshua in the Old Testament, the, the, the method of carrying out judgment and vengeance and, and differences of law was very different than it is today. In fact, there are a few people today who still carry it out like they did back then. Back then, it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If somebody slapped you, you just slapped them back. We see a lot of that in road rage. You know, I watch the TV. In fact, Sharon and I were watching news here a couple of nights ago, and we said, it's no different in Greenville than it is to Detroit. You know, all you see is killings and attacks and all those kind of things going on. But, but, but the Old Testament principle was that if you were wronged, you got justification and judgment by wronging that person back. So because of that process, and sometimes and it, this particular, the particular cities of refuge were specifically meant for those who killed someone accidentally or unintentionally. 
And, and when you read in those, those texts, if you want to get into it deeper, it even gives reasonings for that make it unintentional or make it something that was not meant to be. And, and in that process, if someone kills someone accidentally, under their law, legally, the family of the one they killed could kill them regardless. They didn't have to know the answer because they killed them. They, they could kill each other. Uh, I'm glad we don't follow that kind of rule of law, of law today. Uh, I have trouble killing a groundhog. Now, my wife don't. She does a good job with that. But anyway, you ask her about it. But, 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 but it would be tough today if that was the rule of judgment in our life. But it's not. We follow the court systems generally and follow the process of, of vindication in that, that form and fashion. But here, Moses, God spoke to Moses and said, there's going to be times when accidental things happen. And because of that, we need to create, the, create these cities of refuge in order for people to, to go there when they've accidentally hurt someone and they can be saved. Uh, vindication of wrong was, was d disposed of in, in a way that if you was wronged, you, you wronged them back. You know, whatever it was, you gave justice. Uh, in Numbers 35, it says, The avenger of blood himself shall put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. That's Old Testament, I know, but that was the process of law and judgment at that time. The cities of refuge were built. Now, if we had time, this, this could be a really in-depth study. As I got into it, it gets deeper and deeper. But there were six cities. And when you study these six cities in Scripture, that they have great significance. But the cities were Kadesh and Shechem and Kerjath Arba, Bezer, Ramoth, and Golan. And they, they have great biblical significance because of where they were placed on each side of the Jordan River, three were on one side, three were on the other, and for the spiritual significance, what happened there. And it has a lot to do with them being called and designated as cities of refuge. Everyone knew where these cities were. In fact, some historians and some biblical accounts say that the roads leading to these cities, they put more energy into them. They tried to make the roads smooth so people could get there quickly that they put up signs, that they, they put up a sign that said refuge with an arrow of how to get to the place of refuge if you had to get there in a quick fashion to protect yourself or those around you. When one got to the city of refuge, he found, as I read to you, he found safety and shelter and protection. Now when I saw that picture in Hawaii and I remembered the scriptures talking about the city of refuge, the Lord dropped this into my spirit. We have the same kind of corollary in our life in relationship to God today. He is our refuge. He is our help in times of need. He is our strength and he is our comfort. And he is the one that we can run to. The place of refuge in relation to the cities of refuge in our text, the Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate refuge who offers us shelter and protection in every situation of life. I can say it, and if you're a child of God, I believe you would echo today, when I find trouble in my life, I find help and I find strength and I find peace only through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So, so there is a great correlation but between these cities of refuge. you know, and, and there's a relation between the people in these cities of refuge were there because they had done something that needed to be be, be judged and needed to be dealt, dealt with by the people of the high priest, but all of us are the same way. Whether you think you were just a good person or not, we all were born sinners. We all were born in this world not knowing Jesus Christ, and if you're a Christian today, it's because you one day finally realized that you had to get to the place of refuge, and Jesus Christ is your refuge today. So there's, so there's some great similarities, and I, I see four you may want to jot these down, but I see four similarities between the cities of refuge that God told Moses and Joshua to build and our place of refuge in Jesus Christ. And I want to leave these with you, and I believe it will help you. The first thing is, you have to go to the place of refuge. Look at verse 3. Then the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally must flee there. And they will be your refuge from the avenger of, the, of blood. 
Too many today are trying to figure out their own problems. They're trying to solve their own problems. They're trying to find answers in ways that, that they think will take care of their needs. That they're looking everywhere. They're trying to find solutions. I could go into all of it. You've heard it preached and you've studied it. They're, they're find, trying to find solutions in drugs and alcohol and all the things around, trying to find answers to problems. Friend, we realize, and thank God we have learned, that to find help and to find refuge, that refuge is through and by Jesus Christ who died on the cross of Calvary. The song we just sang, by believing in the blood of Christ, we can find the refuge that we have. But we must go there. You can't think about going there. You can't make a plan to go there and never carry it through. You have to go to the place of refuge. These men had to go there. God has prepared a place of refuge for us. In fact, that we could, must flee to. John chapter 6 says, and, to, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friend, you have to go to the place of refuge. If you're here this morning, and you never made a decision to receive Christ in your life, and you're wandering, trying to find answers, and trying to find help, and trying to find solution. May I direct you today to the one who can bring the safety in your life and the protection in your life. His name is Jesus Christ, and you can find refuge there. If you found that, would you give him a good hand of applause this morning? Not only do you have to go there, as these men and women, whoever they may have been in Scripture, who, who accidentally killed someone, in order to find safety, they had to go to the place of refuge. They had to admit what they had done. They had to admit their sins. Verse 4, And when he flees to one of these cities, he stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city. Now, we aren't told exactly everything about it. But when you read the context, they are in Numbers and Joshua. The inference is that they had to get, go to the gate of the city and speak to the elders of that city and say, I was working on the farm and a, a, a rock fell out of the barn loft and hit my friend on the head. They think I did it and I didn't mean to kill them, so, so I need to come in. Whatever the excuse may have been or the reason may have been, they would, go, they would welcome them into the city. If they'd killed somebody intentionally, they would not let them in. It had to be something accidentally or unintentionally. But they had to admit what wrong they had done. The guilty man not only had to flee, but he had to admit what he had done. When one comes to the place of refuge in Christ, we have to admit that we're sinners. Now, I, I see as, as we're getting closer to the coming of the Lord, and I believe we're getting there, very close. I believe that he could come any moment, any day, any time. Everything is ready. But what I've noticed over the past several years is sin has taken different definitions from different people. Sin has changed, you know, from what it was years ago when I began ministry. I see people that hasn't changed for me, but I see people who have a different interpretation of that today. They take the same scripture and they interpreted it one way years ago. And now they interpret it a different way today. My Bible tells me God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe we have, a uh, little, little cliche, we have sugarcoated what's right and what's wrong and made many people to believe that even though they're living in sin, well, they're okay, they'll grow out of it, they were born that way, it's the way it is, God knows, God understands. I'm going to tell you, God understands when we're transgressing His law and transgressing what he is, His commandments are to us, we're living in sin. And if, and if we are there, we have to, when we come to Christ, when we come to the place of refuge in Christ, we have to confess that we have sinned against God and confess that we're sinners and ask for forgiveness through and by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary. We need people today to recognize and confess that there has been wrong and there's been sin in their life. Too many think, well, I've just been a good person. Well, I'll just be a better person knowing Christ. You'll certainly be better. But when you come to know Christ, old things become new. There's a life that happens and a change that happens because of receiving and believing in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? 
I really believe that we need to share more and preach more and teach more about what's right and what's wrong and what Scripture says and understand and believe Scripture because sin is still sin. And when the people in in the text, when they went to the city of refuge, they had to admit what they had done. When we come before Christ, we have to admit, I am a sinner. Would you save me and forgive me? And Christ, who brings us the greatest refuge, will forgive us through and by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed. I read this story. It's a true story. It dates back many centuries ago. But Frederick II, he was the 18th century king of Prussia. He went on an inspection of the, of the Berlin prison. He was greeted with the cries of prisoners who fell on their knees and protested their unjust imprisonment. While listening to these pleas of innocence, Frederick's eyes caught a solitary man in the corner of the prison seemingly unconcerned with all the commotion that was going on. Frederick went over to him and said, Why are you here? The armed armed robbery, your majesty, came the reply. Were you guilty, the king asked? I certainly was. Indeed, your majesty, I deserve all of the punishment that I'm receiving. At that, Frederick, true story, summoned the jailer, and he said this, Release this guilty man at once. I, I will not have him keep kept in this prison where he will corrupt all the fine, innocent people who are occupying it. You know, sometimes church gets like that. We we think that everybody's just okay. We sort of sweep things under the rug. We sort of pass it by. We look over. But friend, we still need to recognize we will face God who will judge for sin and forgiveness of sin. And when our sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, it's to be remembered no more. But if we think we can just pass through it, we're not. If you're going to the place of refuge, you've got to admit and to recognize, I am transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I was once an old man, but I want to be a new creature in Christ Jesus through and by the salvation that comes from Christ. Amen. Amen. You had to go to the place of refuge. You had to admit that you had committed error. Thirdly, you had to stay there. Verse 4, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. A place of dwelling is a place of abiding. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, John said, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. The person had to stay in the city of refuge until he stood before the congregation and was set free or until the high priest died. When you read that, you say, well, what does that have to do with it? But there was a tradition in the, in the Jewish law that when the high priest died, everything was forgiven. It was, it was a, a process almost like the, the year of Jubilee, the 50th year. And when the high priest died, all of those in prison were released. All of those that were in the cities of refuge were set free. And so that's why it says that in Scripture. But there, there's another message there. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, we're set free too. So there's a corollary, always some corollary between Old Testament teaching and New Testament understanding. So so the the one who had committed the the unintentional death or murder of of someone and went to the city of refuge, he admitted his sins, he had to stay there in order to have protection. If he drifted out of that place, then he got into a place of difficulty. That'll be the next, next point. But he had to stay in the place where the Spirit and the power of protection was. Friend, let me tell you, there's no better place to be than in the presence of Jehovah. There's no better place to be than in the presence of God knowing that He's forgiven you of your sins and knowing that you are His son or His daughter and knowing that He is fighting for you and knowing that He will bring victory in your life when you need it, when you need victory in your life. Friend, there's no better place. That the worst place you can be is knowing you should be in God's presence and you're away from Him. You haven't prepared like you should or you've drifted away. But there's no greater feeling than being in the presence of the Lord. That's why we like to come together and lift our hands and worship. It's a special moment. But it's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's a Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday thing too. To be in God's presence and know that whatever happens, He is in control and I'm going to be okay. Can you say amen? That is the place to be. And the person in the text had to go there. Joshua chapter 
20, verse 6 says, And he shall dwell in the city until he stands before the congregation for judgment. You, you must get into God's presence and you must stay there. You, as a believer, you must, first of all, go to the Lord and you must confess your sins and then stay in his presence. You know, I've noticed over the years and I've, I've been around longer sometimes than I think I deserve to be, but I see people who I've pastored before in years gone by and Facebook is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing probably to keep up with family and to understand what's going on. But as a pastor, when you see people you've pastored for, for your life and then you see some of the things they're involved with, it breaks your heart. It, it, it tears you apart to know that you can remember when that person came to an altar or that person had a, a transformation in their life or that person had, a, had something happen that was tragic but God stepped in and brought the answer then you see where they are today. You see what they're doing and what they are proclaiming and how their lives have changed. It breaks your heart. See, but that's just the message. You cannot just accept the Lord and then drift into your own lifestyle and forget where you've come from. You've got to stay in the presence of the Lord. I believe that's why the Lord said in the last days, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. When we come into God's place, our, our, our eras are brought to light by the Holy Spirit. And yes, we have to confess. Yes, we have to ask God forgiveness in our life. I'm a pastor, but many times I have to say, God, forgive me because I have, I have failed. But if I don't do that, I'll find myself outside the protection of the Lord and outside His, His, His guarding of my life. I want to be in His presence. I want to be in His, in His glory. I want to be to the place that I can know when I step out of line, He's speaking to me. And knowing that when I have a need, all I've got to do is call on Him and believe that He's there. Because when you are in His presence and when you're there, there's comfort, there's safety, there's protection, there's guidance, there's direction, there's help that comes that can come from none other source than through the power of Jesus Christ in your life. You believe that? Say amen. I, I, I've had time I'd, I'd share some stories, and I'm sure you can too, but I've had situations in my life where I had to immediately call upon God for help in a moment. If I was drifting away from Him, He may not have been there. But when you are close to Him, He will be at your side at any moment, any place, any situation, because He cares for you and He wants to protect you. In these cities, the people were trained and knew what they were there for. The people that lived there knew that it was their job to help protect those that were there in that city from the avenger that came against them. They knew that if the, the, the relative of the one that they had accidentally killed came into the city, they would make sure they were not allowed in because they, they protected them. That's the way the church ought to be. That's the way God's family ought to be. Sometimes you see those around you that are hurting and those that are going through difficulty. We're going to deal with that some more next week. It's time for the church to rally and say, Satan, over my dead body, we're going to stand as tall and believe that God is bringing victory and that God will protect us if we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives. And I believe that. Lastly, fourthly, write it down. Leaving the place of refuge is dangerous. Sort of ties some to what I just said, but let's look at it from a scriptural view. Verse 5. And if the avenger of blood pursues after him, after the one that's in, in the, the place of, of refuge, then they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand. As long as the murderer stayed in the city of refuge, he was safe. Numbers says it this way. Numbers 35 verse 26. But if the manslayer any time goes outside the limits of the city of refuge where he fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the limits of the city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills him, the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood. Because he should have remained in the city of refuge. He should have remained in the city of refuge. If he had stayed in the city of refuge, he would be safe. If he had stayed close to the presence of the Lord as a believer, he would be safe. Those who wander out on the fringes are the ones who have problems. Those who try to stay as close to the world 
but yet hold on to the world, hold on to the church with one hand are the ones who have problems. Those who say, well, I don't believe God is going to judge me for this and try to get as far away, but stay as close as they can, they have problems. It's even in the animal society. You know, I love watching animal programs and, you know, looking at these African animals and what's happening, but it breaks my heart when I see a, a little, little fawn or a, or a little animal break away from the herd and all of a sudden the lions come and attach that one just broke away. Or I, or I see one that maybe got hurt in a, in a, in a scrimmage and its leg is injured or, and it's, it's crippled and it gets away and, and when it gets away from the, the herd and from the rest of the group then it's attacked and, it, and it's killed and it's destroyed. You know, that, but that's just exactly the way it is when you come to the place of refuge in Christ. As long as you stay close to Him, you're going to be okay. As long as you stay in His presence, it's going to be fine. When you begin to drift on the outside and try to get as far away, but yet try to, try to stay close or, or fall away, and, and, and you know your history, you know what God has done for you in your life, but you sort of put it aside and sort of find yourself on the, on the skirmishes somewhere, friend, you're setting yourself up for the attack of the enemy. If you want to be in the place of refuge, you need to get as close to the, to the power and the Spirit of God as you possibly can. You need to get as close to the Master as you possibly can because it's there where the safety is and where the protection is when you're close to the Lord. Can you say amen? The avenger of blood would be looking for the one who killed their friend to step outside the city and get away from that place where they could take their life and could get judgment for what was done. And the enemy is after you as well. You may not recognize it today, but the, the enemy is doing everything he can to try his best to destroy you spiritually. If he can get you thinking wrong, if he can get you acting wrong, if he can get you in a place to where you compromise your, 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 your values and compromise your belief, he will gradually, step by step, pull you away from the presence of God to a place where the enemy can bring destruction in your life. I don't know about you, but I want to be close to the Master. I want to be close to Christ. I want to be close to the Lord. He is my refuge and my strength. He is my help. You know, when you leave, the avenger is hot on your trail. When you get away from church and get away from God's presence, you open yourself up for the attack of the enemy in a powerful way. And when we do not stay close to the shepherd. I, I love preaching on sheep and shepherd. I guess my whole ministry has been the central issue. I think a couple of years ago when I was here, I did a couple of services, did a little series on sheep. And I remember one of them was talking about how it was the sheep that was closest to the shepherd as they marched through the, the paths and as they walked up the hills, it was those closest to the shepherd that had the greatest protection. Because close to him, his staff is there. Close to him, they could hear his voice. Close to him, they had the greatest protection. It was those on the outside that the wolves got. It's those walking on the, the bank. It's those that are on, the, on the, the far extremity that are the greatest possibility of destruction. And it's the same way for the kingdom of God. If you are not close today, you're opening yourself for possible attack. If you drift away and you find yourself in a place that maybe feels good in the flesh, but doesn't feel good in the spirit, you need to get back close to the shepherd and find the strength and the help that only he can bring. I want to be in the presence of the Lord today. It's hard today in the world which we live in. You go into the jobs today, there's not much opportunity there that encourages you to be close to the Lord. You go to Walmart, there's not much there that encourages you to be close to the Lord. You, you, you go to, to other places, there's not much encourage you. We have to get that strength here and get it in our mind and our spirit and say, God, I want to be close to you wherever I am and whatever I'm going through. I need your presence and your spirit and your power in my life. If we ever needed it, we need it today. 
If we ever needed to make a decision, I've got to be close to the Lord. This is the day to do that. Our place of refuge is in the cross. Our place of refuge is through Jesus Christ. It's not as pretty a sight as the seascape of Hawaii. It's not as beautiful and not as comfortable in the flesh as sitting on the banks of the ocean and putting your feet in the water. But it brings comfort to know that Jesus brought the place of refuge for us. And it's through Him, through the cross of Calvary. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray with you. Brother, we can sing that song in a moment. Father, I love you today and I thank you for the truths of your word. Father, here in the Old Testament, you instructed Moses and Joshua to build the cities of refuge, the places of safety. But God, you gave us your son that we can find safety and help in our life today. God, I, I don't know the people that are here. I know many of them, but I don't know their spiritual life. I don't have to know their spiritual life, but you do. And there may be someone here today who needs to say, I need to find that place of refuge in my life. There may be someone who says, I've slipped away from the place that I need to be, and I, I'm, I'm not as close as I should be. I, I need to draw closer that I can be place of protection from the enemy. God, I pray that the Spirit of God will just wrap Himself around us today, that we will recognize that it's in Your presence that the strength and help comes in our life. It's in Your presence that we find safety. It's in Your presence that we find healing. It's in Your presence that we find protection. It's in Your presence that we find the help that we need in this thing called life. God, that man or woman here today that may need to find that help, you are our place of refuge. And you are our source today. And I thank you for it. And I praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us and let's sing this little chorus together. Sing it for the bride. In the 